You're listening to the No Regrets Podcast with Kate. I am your host, Kate Hutchinson, author, healer, soul searcher. No Regrets is about healing. Healing the limiting beliefs that are holding you back from living the life you dream of. On this podcast, everyday people of all ages share their journey through this thing called life. Let their stories inspire you to never wonder what if and live with no regrets. Well, I'm with my co-host, Angela Lawson, again today, and we're so excited to continue to do this journey with um, each other, and so welcome, Angela. I'm so glad to be here again. I just look so forward to it. I know, me too. So today we decided that we're going to talk about choices and kind of piggyback off of a blog post that I wrote called How Our Beliefs Hijack Our Choices and why we make certain choices and kind of the thing that I'm talking about today is related to about, I don't know, a year and a half ago, I just felt like crap. My whole body was tight. My stomach was upset. I had frozen shoulder in my right arm. My left arm hurt. Um, I just didn't look good. I was bloated. I was anemic. Just all kinds of things. And I just continued to make choices that were not helping me. And Mm -hmm. so that's kind of where it stemmed from this blog post was, why do we make these choices? And I think it has to do with a lot of things, right? I think it's our belief system, too, because consciously we may not feel like, oh, I deserve to feel like shit. But subconsciously is a totally different animal. And Angela's shaking her head, yes. Um, So, you know, we could really deep down feel like we don't deserve to feel good or we don't deserve to be healthy or there could be a reason why we're not healthy. Sometimes people continue to stay sick because they get attention when they're sick. True. You know, so there's all kinds of things. And I thought it would be a nice topic to talk about today and talk about it with Angela and then how we can kind of make different choices. So what do you think about choices, the choices that we make? Well, it's hard, isn't it? And immediately I think about uh, like just recently giving up the sugar for me, right? And how many years have I known at a deep level that that was a good thing for me to, to do? Everything I read, it was like one of those things when you're asking for signs and you keep getting them and like, you know, there'll be an article published on how it causes inflammation and if you're having joint issues that, and all these, all these symptoms that I was having, this pain. And why is it, I, I think some of it too is our, I don't want to be told what to do. Maybe, maybe there's a, an immaturity level in my ego that I, I also, I don't want to give something up. Why should I have to give something up? And I don't know if that's a Western world kind of mentality, like nobody's going to tell me what to do, but not until it got bad enough. And I finally made that choice to cut the, the sugar out and then I feel good. And it's like, why didn't I do this like 10 years ago? You just kind of like, you don't want to be told what to do. I wonder if that's some of it. There's like that inner child in you that doesn't want to be, I don't know, there's a rebellious spirit or something too that we don't want to maybe do what's best for us, even though 
making that choice would be, we know ultimately the best thing for us. I don't know where I'm going with that, but it just feels that way to me. Like I know I have that little immature voice in me like, well, why should I have to give up little Debbie's? Why should I? (laughs) (laughs) I like them. Right. But sugar, I think is really a hard thing to give up. I I hear that like once you get over the hump, it's fine, but otherwise. And it was, and luckily I had a friend here who had mentioned that, well, and I knew if you had protein that that kind of helps you through those little cravings, but I, I did the bone broth for a couple of days. And so anytime I had a craving, I had the, the bone broth and it had quite a bit of the sea salt in it. And I think whatever that counteracted, but now I'm fine, but yeah, it's just, you don't realize how addicted you are to it until you try to, to stop it and carbs too. Oh yeah. Carbs got a lot of sugar. I love carbs. Me too, honey, please. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's interesting that you say addicted because I totally believe that we can be addicted to food. And a lot of people don't consider food as an addiction. And I'm I'm 110% an emotional eater. And so I remember years ago you telling me, I noticed it too, like if I meditate or have some kind of energy work done or something, I start getting on the inside, I want to say like jittery, like not jittery, but I think, you know, jittery. kind of like jig, not jittery as in like the shakes or something, but just like antsy is more yes. of the word. Antsy gotcha. to where I'm like, I, you know, I want bad food, even though I'm, I'm, I feel connected and I feel grounded. But I remember you telling me it's that because you're not grounded and it could be that I'm truly not grounded because I just got this energy work, right? Yeah, so it's like you think you might be grounded, but I think you're, like we talked in the last episode, kind of floating around, not really tethered, right? And so I always like, oh my God, I want like a cheeseburger and a Coke and (laughs) or pizza or something. Oh, definitely. And and I I think we all feel that way, but yeah, so it's kind of hard, isn't it? Because I think I don't think that in a case like that, I think we should, you know, give into that craving if you need something that's that's like that to, to ground you. And particularly if you're hungry, but, but then on the flip side of that too, yeah, I totally believe that, that we can be addicted to food. I, I know I've been an emotional eater from the get go, you know, and I learned that behavior. I don't know if, if that's was true for you or, um, you know, what your, your history with that is. Um, that's a good question. I think, I think it comes back to what we talked about last week is that self-betrayal, being around people who betray themselves, you know, they don't stick to something or they just kind of, they don't keep the promises to themselves, right? So I think that's something that I'm recognizing too, is like, how come I don't keep promises to myself? Well, it's because, you know, the people I'm around are like, oh, you can have a piece of chocolate. Like I know you gave up sugar, but just eat it. You know what I mean? Inna- that kind of thing, yeah. you know? So, it's in the yeah. totally. Yeah. And that and like yeah, what we did talk about and I think too it it honestly it's it's an addictive voice and it's no different than I think so let's say for instance, we use an example of we're working with people that are doing that and say, "Oh, I here I brought this 
this pie or I brought this to, to share and come on, one piece isn't going to kill you and that's not going to hurt you and come on, it hurts my feelings. And then you kind of get like peer pressured into it. Well, that's no different than drinking. It's no different than smoking. It's no different than, than so many other things. And But yeah, you're right to stand in our power and, and from a loving space say no because we know that it's it, – it, it's not worth the trade-off as far as I'm concerned anymore. I'm learning that. It's always been hard, but but now I'm like, no, it's not worth the way that I feel emotionally and physically after I give in to something like that, just to make sure that I don't hurt somebody's feelings or I give in to somebody and make them not feel uncomfortable when they're making me feel uncomfortable because it's like, I don't want to be rude. I don't want to eat the chocolate. You know right. what I mean? Right, yeah. And it's interesting um, – I know you follow her too, the holistic psychologist on Instagram. She's amazing, Dr. Nicola Para. And what I'm hearing in that scenario is we're always taught to people please, right? To yes. even though it and and she has given and other people that she's recommended have given examples of how when you're younger, it's like maybe you didn't want to say, you know, give that uncle a hug because, you know, you're uncomfortable, but you do it out of being polite. You go say hi to that person. You know, maybe it's a family member that you just don't feel comfortable with. And it's like, don't be rude. Go say hi. And then also that's a boundary. You know, those people are not respecting your boundaries of saying no, right? So true. Yeah. It's so true. And, and then what is it? And, and I think depending on our personality, how we were raised, how we were taught to, you know, like be a good girl and, and you just do what you're, you know, don't cause a fuss, do what you're, and if you still have that voice in you, then you're going to be apt to give in a lot more easily than somebody who was given the opportunity to be more empowered. Right. Exactly. And not blaming our parents or anything. Yeah, yeah, like exactly. That. But, yeah. but I do think that that childhood conditioning has a lot to do with it. Definitely a learned behavior. Absolutely. But yeah, that's, that's brilliant. And, and I've thought about that a lot whenever somebody even brings their child in and it's like, go give auntie a hug or something. I think, no, if they feel comfortable, they're going to give me a hug, you know, it, and, but I understand that it, again, it's part of the culture here in Hawaii for sure. But it made Stuart do things like that. Like it made me uncomfortable. Uh, I wanted to honor him in that. But I know there were times too that we were around certain family members that, yeah, you, you do that. But so it'll be interesting. Like, where does he feel peer pressured, you know, to eat or to <laughs> do right. these things like we're thinking about, you know? Yeah. And it, it, this memory always comes back to me when I was in the hospital, when I was a younger, I don't know, five or six or something. And I remember I didn't say hi to my stepmom. My dad had been remarried and I remember he was so mad at me. He like grabbed my arm and like I, he like dug into my like IV, like it hurt. It's just another example of how I'm the one laying in the hospital bed and nobody gives a shit about how I feel. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like how it's affecting me. It's all everybody else's, how it's emotionally wearing on them. And you know, they're the adults, right? The social mores. That were put on for us, too. But, yeah, it's like, oh, my God, your daughter's laying here, you know, with an IV in her arm. And yet you're you're more concerned about whether she dissed this, you know, stepmother or not. Right. Just ridiculous. Yeah. 
that's interesting too, because that's about projecting what's happening or what happened to them as children or in another time, you know, but, but as a five-year-old, you shouldn't have to be analyzing that. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Just saying. Yeah. Um, It's interesting that you said, you know, that's their childhood behavior because I believe that these, you know, our belief systems can be generational, right? Because if that, if that, they always say, you know, break the cycle, break the pattern. They only, and that's why I don't blame my parents. They only knew what they knew. You don't know what you don't know, right? And so if this is the way they were taught, they don't know any different. So of course they're going to raise their children and so on and so on. It's, it's recognizing those family patterns and breaking them. And then you do, when you do that, you're not only healing yourself, you're healing your gener- your, your family, your generation after generation, right? You are in, in all dimensions. Yeah. And, and breaking that because, you know, whether you look at it from a, a spiritual sense, or if you look at it just by the, the DNA that we carry, I mean, one way or another, or both, we're going to be, those ties are going to be carried from either one lifetime to another or through the DNA cycle of, of our ancestors. And so, but it does standing in our power and, and changing that just one of us, it has that ripple effect. And, and it does, it it makes other people, that's why sometimes, right. I think you said that in your book that whenever you change, it begins to make people uncomfortable around you, you know, because then it's like, Oh, whoa, she's changing. That's altering the whole dynamic now. But, but when it happens, let's say in this sense where it's more of a subtle level where you change a behavior pattern of your family members, then yeah, it is. It's going to make a big effect regardless if they want it to or not, you know? Right. And I I love, um, I've seen this posted on the internet somewhere. I don't remember exactly who, but it's those people who, like when you start setting boundaries and part of healing is setting boundaries, right? Or saying no. Yes. And so the people who benefited from you not having boundaries are the only ones that's going to like upset. Was that Brene Brown? Oh, maybe. If it's not, she is a really, if people are interested in, in learning, a, you know, listen, she has a whole talk on boundaries and uh, that's very root chakra, which goes back to our grounding. So that's really important. But yeah, she has a brilliant talk on that. And it, it's very similar. It's like, yeah, the only people who are really going to get all get their underwear all wadded up over it is going to be somebody that really had the advantage of everything to benefit while while we were in that kind of space where we were giving our power away. Yeah, I remember years ago, I had a friend that said, you've changed. And at the time I was like, yeah, you know, I knew I had, but now I'm like, yeah, I have. And I'm not going to tolerate this anymore. <laughs> you know. And it's hard, isn't it? Because I don't know about you, but when you shift a relationship that me, um, and I have one recently and it was, I went through a feeling of guilt maybe that it's like, am I being am I really setting the boundaries or am I being petty uh, or, you know, and I guess petty is not the word, but am, am I, am I being fair to that person where 
I knew deep down, you know, if we check in with our bodies, we're, we're going to feel that it's like, no, that I think whatever the lesson was in there has been learned between us. But but there's a part of me still that that wants to people please and and still, like you're saying, not do what's best for my own well-being right. and then try to shift it and make me be someone who is maybe not the good girl. Right. Exactly. I do that all the time. I think what's wrong with me? Like, why Mm -hmm. do they, why did they reject me? Or what did I do wrong? And then I, you know, time passes and you go, well, maybe I'm okay without that person in my life. You know what I'm saying? You go, you know, where I thought, oh my God, I, I, I can't imagine not talking to this person every day. And then it happens and you're, you lived, (laughs) you know? Well, it almost probably lets your energy go back to where it naturally wanted to be anyway. Sometimes it's exhausting, and and that's where it gets tricky, isn't it? Especially when we're in a a work environment or somewhere where there are so many personalities that come into play and that we do have to, to play nice at least for eight hours a day or more. And so that can get so exhausting, and then that line blurs between what's in our best interest and then what's what's for the greater good at work and you know and then do you let that start to pile into your private time and you know it just that's why boundaries are so important and that we keep them not oh, just yeah. say yeah. we're going to do them but keep them yes exactly and that's the hardest part too i think uh, two things is one i do it is exhausting because just being in the wrong like energy or staying in a situation where you shouldn't be maybe is exhausting, but also like being in physical pain is very exhausting. It takes a lot of energy. Pain takes a lot of energy just to kind of go back to, I was making choices that would keep my body in pain, like physical body in pain. Right. So that takes a lot of energy to be in pain and, and, and to stay in these relationships. Right. So it's almost like a double whammy because you're getting the physical pain and the mental anguish that goes with it. Yeah, exactly. Staying in these relationships, too. I've learned a new word from Dr. Nicole, uh, like trauma bonds. We, quote unquote, seek out relationships, right, that fulfill that safety, quote unquote, safety. We feel safe in an uncomfortable situation because that's all we know. And so so if we you know, had to like sacrifice or self-betray ourselves to get love. And then all of a sudden we meet somebody who just loves us for who we are. We push them away, right? Because that can't be that way. It has to be this way. Yeah, it's too easy. Like I have to act this way and do all these crazy things in order for you to love me. And how do you just love me? Right. Because or whatever, you know what I mean? That's really fascinating though, isn't it? And you see it. It's and, And again, it's it's always easy to be the observer in something like that, that we can always look and go, girl, you know, it's like watching a Lifetime movie and you're like, you know better than that. Get out of there. But then we so easily as humans get wrapped up in that because of the emotional nature of just being human. Right. Or it's for, for most of us. Right. Yeah. I, I'm learning all these new words from Dr. Nicole right. Perry. She's amazing. Love it. I'll I, leave her handle in the show notes. Yeah, do it. I see Sonia Choquette follows her too. Oh, really? Yep. Yeah, she's got almost 2 million followers. So, yeah. And her she's... content is uh, mostly free. I mean, all of her stuff is free. She does now, have, she has a um, 
a healer circle now that is a like a subscription based like monthly subscription and you get more but it, yeah totally she's totally worth following well and i think that that's i think a lot of healers are going that route you know and i think that's the right thing to do they need to be compensated for for what they're doing too and yeah it's that whole exchange of energy thing no i agree how do you make a different choice mm. what made you give up sugar was it the whole you're sick and tired of being sick and tired you know isn't it I don't know if this is the way for you I am the kind of the person that when I it, I'll turn on a dime I can just wake up that morning and I don't know if it's the planets are aligned just right or I had my friend visiting and you know he was like okay Matt and I gave up sugar and we gave up, um, carbs and we feel great and da, 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 and the benefits. I went, okay. So it was like that. And so it was just, and then I commit to it and I don't know, I, I, I was that way, even with the drinking, finally, it was like, I'm done. So I don't know. I don't know if I have some weird switch in my head. Well, I, I don't love know that switch. what it is. <laughs> well, but, but you know, it's so strange because then the lamenting that went on for years, I, I don't know. So I don't know. I think we're all so different. We're all so wired so differently. And again, you know, what's interesting, it goes back to, I don't also like to be told what to do. Like I would never start something on New Year's Day because I'm like, you're not going to tell me what to do. World, you're not going <laughs> to start something on New Year's Day. I'm not going to do it. May 2nd, yes, I'll do it. <laughs> but, you know, I think yeah. there's something childish in my behavior, too, that I, I kind of have to do it on my own terms. And and like the way that my friend worded it, it wasn't threatening to me. I, you know, it was just more like a testimonial. I was like, okay. Yeah, it's kind of a big deal. Yeah, it's kind of like, um, you know, all your friends telling you something and then you have to go pay a therapist 150 bucks to tell you the same thing. And then you're like, okay, like now I'll play. I'll believe you. Now I know. Well, and the funny thing is this whole thing with the, the way that I'm eating now. And then I said something to my my friend Gia and she was like, oh, yeah, I used to make that that coffee bullet. And I went, you did? And I was like, shoot, bring it to work. And I was just like, do, do, do. And, you know, just didn't want to hear anything about it. What a good friend I was. But, but, you know, it's interesting then that it was going on around me, you know, two years ago. Well, but, we're just, you know, until we're ready, I guess, you know, we're just not going to be able to do it, uh, whatever triggers us. But I think too, it's easy to fall back into old patterns. One, because it's familiar, to, I think you have to really be mindful. Like, I'm starting to understand, like, why I do the things I do. Now, changing them, I mean, I feel much better than I did a year and a half ago. So, thank God I've done something. And I think a year and a half ago, I was just in a different space. I was, yes. you know, I had my own apartment, and it was just getting too expensive, and I was stressed out about money, and it just you know, it kind of like is just a domino effect. Yes. Um, so now I've changed my living arrangements and, you know, I'm not that financially stressed anymore. So that has helped a lot. Finally came to the conclusion I made a different choice. It's not worth it to, you know, I love my own space and things like that, but 
being able to grab dinner on the way home and not have to worry about whether or not I can afford it. And that's, I think it's all about reevaluating. But what's interesting too, and something that just came to me, what about an accountability nature? Like I so feel like I need to be accountable to someone about it. Like I, I feel like there's an unwritten thing here now that I am accountable to my friend in some ways, you know, and I know that they're going to ask me about that. And there is something to be said about, I think, having to be accountable to somebody. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that. I've I, Again, I don't mean to keep bringing her up, but she, Dr. Nicole, like, that's her thing, is accountability. And so in this, like, self-healer circle, they have a special Facebook page. And they'll, every day, accountability check-in, you know, and I think you're right. But, accountability is huge. And not to shame. And that's the other thing. Uh, you know, there's, uh, like, I have my, my sober pen pal. And to write, and it's not like, you know, just to have something you can just check in with and say, yeah, I'm doing crappy today. I'm struggling with this. Or, you, you know, there's something to be said. And then to get an encouraging word back because sure. you want to surround yourself, too, with people not that are going to enable you, but are going to allow you to have those dips that then kind of lift you up from right. there. And I think that's why we need people. Don't make me sing. People. No, Barbara Streisand. <laughs> oh, okay. Autopry. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to ruin it. Babs. But I think you're, you know, it, it comes down to, yes, accountability, have the right people around you, uh, mindfulness, consciousness, being aware of our feelings, our choices, or actions versus being and staying caught up into the day-to-day so we don't have time to think about it. Some people keep themselves extraordinarily busy so they don't have to deal with anything and they just go through life. And isn't that the beauty in what's happening to us collectively now with this? It's making people who don't want to take a look at themselves and self-examine. Really, we're all going to be forced to do that, whether we like to or not, because we are going to end up with more time and and more alone time for ourselves to sit there and, and maybe ask the big questions that are really what we need to be looking at for our own well-being and not let somebody else dictate to us what pills we ought to be taking or, or, you know, what we should do because we know what's best for our health, which is what you're saying. And we can make those choices based upon our own self-analysis if we just allow ourselves the space. Right. And the quietness, right. And the stillness. Mm -hmm. So important. Yeah. I, I think of people who who have a hard time meditating. Yeah. Um, you know, the, I just can't shut my brain off. Well, you can. You know, yeah. I try to tell people just hang up all your shit on the you know imaginary coat rack. You can pick it up in five minutes if you want yes. it back. You know, if you're that attached to it, then just put it. You're only going to put it away for five minutes and then pick it up back up when you're done. Exactly, and I think is there's so many tools like. That's what mantras are good for. If you can sit there and chant a mantra, sometimes if you're somebody who has a busy mind and you can just kind of like get into that or hum, you know, if you don't want to use some kind of Sanskrit seed sound, that's okay, you know. But but there are, there's lots of tools, like you're saying, that, that benefit even people who have busy minds. And um, David G., have we talked about him before? No, uh-uh. He's got a lot of free resources, and, and he... 
he is somebody who has studied meditation. He actually worked with Deepak Chopra for years. And he's the same thing. He's like, you don't want to be uncomfortable when you're sitting there. Like he doesn't get hung up on whether you're in the right position or not. If you need to get comfortable, get comfortable. It's, it's not about being punished. It's about calming our minds and doing that in the best way that we can do for whatever our personality is. Um, how do you spell uh, G, David G? J-I. Oh, okay. So it's David and then like just that term of endearment or, or for teacher. Or, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, added to his name. Okay. But yeah, he's he's got a lot of stuff on Hay House, but then I think if you do davidg.com, th there's tons of free resources. Oh, okay. I'll put, the, I'll put a link to him in the show notes. We have an opportunity too. Um, I haven't studied a lot about this. But we can actually rewire our brain, our neuro paths or whatever. I haven't done a lot, but I, I, I believe it can be done. I truly believe. I just haven't done it myself, which I should. But again, Dr. Nicole has this great future self-journaling. You know, you do it for 30 days, like these prompts. And if you keep every day you do it and you keep writing out the same thing, then you can actually rewire your brain to different patterns. It's true. I, I totally, and you can do that with any, any addiction and any negative behavior that you have, but absolutely. And, and that was mentioned actually, um, maybe I can find it too, but if just get the link to her unexpected joy of being sober the, the author touches on that and how whenever she started doing research into the scientific reasoning as to why we do these self-destructive behaviors oh, and that we can. It just takes some time. It's like an elect. She likened it to a walking path. And so, you know, if we take the same path in the grass year after year, then that path is going to be really, really um, obvious. Uh -huh. But that other path, we just got to start taking that other trail enough times that the other one starts to grow up and then we do that. But yeah, absolutely. And I'm trying to remember what the scientific term for that is, uh, cognitive recognition or blah, 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 blah. I don't know. There's another, um, guy I recently started following. Let me see if a doctor, I think maybe you told me Dr. Joe Dispenza. I, yes, the tapping. Oh no, he's not the tapping guy, but yeah, he's fascinating. Yeah, he, I think, yeah, I, I haven't watched any of his stuff like in depth. I've just kind of glanced over it. But he, I think he talks about that kind of stuff too, of how you can change your thought patterns and your DNA and all kinds of craziness that if yeah. you're open to it. Yes, and I've just heard little snippets um, on the Hay House of his, and he definitely, I like what he says, for sure. I just haven't listened to any of his podcasts or anything, but um, yeah, he definitely, oh, addictive voice recognition, that's the voice in the head that's telling you, like, ah, you're going to fail anyway, so you might as well just oh, go. the ego. Yeah. Yeah, the ego always protecting us from new things. Right. Totally. My biggest thing is emotional eating. Like I just cannot, like there a lot of times I do want something light and healthy. And then every once in a while I'm like, yeah, I really want a cheeseburger. Yeah, I really want pizza. And now I've, I've learned over the years too that you, you do more harm if you 
eat the pizza and then beat yourself up for it afterwards. So like if you're going to eat it, be okay with it. So now I've learned to be okay with it and probably too much, right? But no, I, I feel that way too. And then there's a part of me that's like, well, when you get that, that kind of craving, you know, to me, it's like, well, is there a reason maybe that, that we're having that craving? And, and, and like you said, if you're going to do it, you should do it with love. It's just like blessing your food. It's going to be absorbed better and, and that kind of thing. Or Dr. Emoto. Yeah, I truly believe that. But then it's like, well, I can also go down that route where it's like, well, I'm feeling like I'm craving a Kit Kat. So, you know, I'm going to really enjoy this every day, you know, that kind of thing. So it's it's also that self-analysis again as to questioning ourselves, why do I want this? Is it truly because physically and my body really is probably needing something on that level? Maybe it's the fat and that kind of thing. Or is it something that I'm doing to distract me from actually dealing with an emotional issue that I really need to meet head on? You know, it's just a very uh, anxious time. And I know yeah. it is for everybody. And so it's almost like a hit of something uh, like caffeine or whatever it is. The minute you eat it, it's like your emotions just go, ah, like it's just kind of puts you back. And I'm fully aware of it. And the thing is, it, again, I look at it too from a perspective of what we are going through right now. If you made a choice to maybe make, you know, eat a meal that probably wasn't as good for you. So, you know, maybe you should lighten up a little bit about that too. Saying, I'm feeling like in these trying times that if you decided that you wanted to go have like a nice cheeseburger as opposed to heroin, then I'm thinking that maybe you didn't make such a bad choice. Oh, right. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. And I got to be honest. I mean, like, I guess it's been a couple of weeks ago and there was something very trying that happened, you know, in a relationship and I was like, the first thing I did is I went and got in line at McDonald's and I got a quarter pounder with cheese. And Stop I was like, it. that's the best thing I could have ever done for myself. It was really? just, yes. And I sat there and I went, you're going to enjoy all of this. But yeah, that was my go-to. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you feel that way too. <laughs> yeah. oh, so let me tell you. Yes. Yeah. And I, and I feel that way about cake sometimes too. Yeah. <laughs> But it's interesting, I'm just thinking now of how, like, I know a lot of people who are in recovery and they, you know, give up alcohol. But then a lot of people who give up alcohol start eating ice cream or, you know what I mean? And yes. we're just changing one thing for another. I'm not judging and I'm not blaming or I'm not putting anybody down. It's just a pattern. And I, until we re until we heal those wounds that will keep us from doing those, you know, being addicted to something. Mm -hmm. And I think I, I definitely have an addictive personality. And I, I've, I've tried to be very observant of that over the years. I've journaled and, you know, I see these patterns in me. And I'm that way, even with learning, like we talked about before we started recording this, you know, I signed up for this tarot class online. And I've like just been submerged in that. 
So, you know, spending that time and I can get lost for hours in that. Well, that's what I used to do is get lost for hours in a bottle or two or three of wine too, you know? So I see that I have that, but if we can shift it and find the balance in it, maybe, because again, too much of anything is not good, right. you know, because then what am I doing? I'm also ignoring my husband, right? Cause I'm, I'm spending so much time, although it's good to have that. I'm so happy to have this time that I can enjoy that, but is it, is it beneficial overall? But no, I'm trading one thing for another. And my dad did that. My dad did that whenever he got sober and candy. And that's pretty typical too, that there's sugar cravings after that too. But yeah, I think it's about balance and then just being mindful and conscious of our behaviors. And for me, I like to understand like why I do something, not just that, okay, I do this, but I really want to know why. Cause then if I can trace it back to something that my parents did or in my childhood or a memory or something, then I can go, Oh, that makes sense. Yes, It doesn't serve me anymore and it's not benefiting me. So now I can make a different choice. I and love I, it. And I, yeah. And I think journaling is good, a good way. And I love that too, because I think it's not until you can name something that you can let it go. Right. Because I know that I'm like, how long have I known that I need to make certain changes? But it's not until I finally get clear about, whoa, now I get it. Now I know why I was making those decisions. And and it's because I didn't learn this, you know, technique or this or that. And then when you can do that, you can a lighten up on yourself a little bit and then B, really be able to do the deep work to release it for good and not just like dust it off. Right. Yeah, I, th- I think it's helpful to try to trace it back as to why. Because even, you know, there's belief systems that the reason why we do things is because there was a reason for it. And maybe just that time isn't, and it doesn't have to be with our parents. It could just be society too there was a reason why we did things 20 years ago that we just don't need to do today because it's not relevant true and well and if we want to take it you know there's that level of we come in with the lessons we need to learn there's the karma there but there's also planetary karma there's there's karma for our countries there's karma so we're this woe of of all kinds of karma together and so yeah one one affects another and so definitely the work that we even do individually is going to affect us as a generation and as a planet yeah I also this just came to me and I I know and this is not about a choice or an addiction or anything it's you know there's so much out in the world that needs to be fixed Uh, you know quote unquote is just homelessness ocean cleanup, food weight, I mean, all these things, trash, these are the things that really bother me. And, you know, there's so much work to do. And we can get overwhelmed by the stuff that needs to change, I guess. But I always tell everybody, and it doesn't, it doesn't benefit anybody, including yourself, to be like, well, there's people out there that have it worse than me. So I just need to continue to be in this crappy situation and two I and we're only one person like what kind of change can we possibly make right so these are the kind of things that I think about but what I truly believe and I've said this to people is 
that if you're happy with yourself, you know, you're happy within, it affects everybody around you. So can you imagine if you did the work and you healed your wounds and was a happier and you were a happier person, a happier person, a more healthy, emotionally healthy person, it's going to affect how you treat the next person, right? And then if they heal their, their wounds and, you know, are happy and emotionally healthy, and then the next person did it, and so on and so on, seven billion times over, we would be a completely different race, right? Humanity would just be completely different. Our planet would be different. Yes. So it really does start with us and doing the internal work at the bottom line. It does. Totally. And, and it does. And I mean, you can feel the difference of the days that you get out of the car and you go in the grocery store and you're not feeling your best well, then you just kind of go in there and everything's black and white. The days that you have gotten up and you're in that good space and then you go and you smile and you engage with whoever is at the counter and, you know, and then that ripples out to them and then you have this beautiful exchange. Then whoever witnessed that is going to feel the effects of that and, and so on and so forth and then pay it forward all day long. And so I think it, it I don't think that we even realize just how powerful we are in, in what our happiness alone can do. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I know like if I'm in a bad mood or I'm just not in a good mood, I can tell like everything's going to irritate me. Right. And I might snap at a stranger. I might be like, Oh, what a bitch or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. if you, maybe that's a bad example because you know, we're all allowed a bad day or a bad moment or something to upset us. But in general, if we healed our wounds, then we won't be viewing the external through those, through that perspective, right? True. And I know for me, if I'm really in a funk, I want everybody to just feel my wrath. I mean, and, and I don't even, I mean, it's again, it's taken years of observation to see the way that I am. And I'm just like, oh, I'm going to make everybody feel this, you know, and I, I didn't realize how I was just totally going around. It's like crop dusting hatred on people, you know, when we think about it. Right. Yeah. It's it, But if I can get in that better space. And the thing is, too, we that's part of our life lesson, too. And for some, it's easier to kind of stay in that flow. For me, it's a challenge. I don't know why, but... You know, it's just my personality is such I could have been meditating that morning and then something will set me off. And I know that's my lesson is to learn how to just step back from that and not be reactionary. But I'm not perfect. And I can't. The lesson in that for me is also don't belittle myself. It's about, okay, acknowledge that that was not the the best course of action and then keep keep on keeping on because at the end of the day, I know by being in that higher state of being that it's going to make the world a better place. Exactly. So just kind of uh, wrap it up because mm -hmm. I don't want to take much more of your time. We can make different choices, but it, it, that benefits us. I want to more positive choices that makes us feel better that, that we don't put ourselves in bad situations, whatever the case may be. We can do it with a little bit of, with a lot of work, actually. I'm not going to lie. The work is a lot to really be conscious and be cognizant of your patterns and your, and why you do the things that you do. And then 
healing those, for lack of a better word, wounds. Yeah, true. It's true. And choose, choose what is best for you. It's okay if something doesn't suit you. And to be able to step in your power of that and choose what does feel right for you, that therein lies the wisdom. Yep. I agree. So with that, I think we'll leave it there. I look forward to talking to you next time. You too. Love you. Love you too, girl. Thank you for listening to the No Regrets podcast with Kate. Be sure to subscribe. You can find this podcast on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, or your favorite listening app. Please be sure to subscribe and follow me on Instagram at No Regrets Podcast with Kate.